0: Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, you'll have ad-free episodes, and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at love, linked in the show notes.
1: The things that have been the easiest for me to implement that just flow, that just happen, Have been the most successful for me. I launched Swell in five weeks. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech.
0: Today's We Are LA Tech podcast episode shout out goes to Abel Hernandez. Abel Hernandez, thank you so much for engaging with us on the We Are LA Tech Instagram. We appreciate you. Be sure to say hello to Abel Hernandez on Instagram at Abel Product. That's A-B-E-L-P-R-O-D-U-C-T. Tell him you found him via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in L.A. Tech on our We Are L.A. Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities and even housing. Go to com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's com slash community. Hi, it's 3 a.m. on, I don't even know. Oh, tomorrow is Wednesday or I guess Technically, this morning, I'm not even sitting up to talk to you guys. This is another personal spot. And the thing I'm thinking about right now is at 3 a.m. To be technical, 3 a.m., 310 a.m. I spent hours and hours and hours today working out customer experience flow and thinking about what if you delivered phenomenal customer experience to not just the classic customer, you know, the person paying you, but to everybody. So customer experience to you guys, customer experience to my podcast guests, customer experience to my customers, customer experience to my team, to my partners, just always thinking about how can I deliver exceptional customer experience to just everyone in the most, you know, minor ways, meaning like the things that you don't usually think about, like after you have a phone call, did you follow up a few hours later with a thank you and just acknowledgement. So I've been thinking a lot about customer experience and I spent hours on it with an amazing, amazing founder today named Cam Kashani, who I've known for years she was helping me with a lot of my customer experience flows. It was pretty exciting. Anyway, so that's what's on my mind in the middle of the night at three in the morning as I'm getting the last task done. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Enjoy the episode. Bye. Bye. the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting LA tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest. She has been on the show. She's a recurring guest and I begged her to be on again because she just launched her new product and I think it is absolutely epic. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks, Esprit. I'm so
1: happy to be here again. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Of course. Okay. So I wanted to have Lauren back. I asked Lauren, she'd come back and she's going to tell you a little bit about who she is and what she does. But I wanted her to come back because she launched, you guys, such a sick company. Like I'm so hyped. Like I was in her launch party for the company, like typing oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is crazy. And so I was just like, you have to come back on the podcast and talk about it. I just think this is going to help all of you that want to get into podcasting. And I'm also really excited to hear about her journey as a founder in launching a new product. And we'll dive back into what we talked about in the previous episode on how the pandemic shifted what she thought her company would be into like what it is becoming now, which I think is Way smarter and more scalable, and just I recommended it today, and it was so easy to recommend. So, without further ado and with so much suspense, and what in the world am I talking about? welcome, Lauren. <laughs> oh my gosh. My cheeks are
1: so hot. You're making me <laughs> I'm just sweating. Thank you. So tell everybody who
0: you are and what you do because some people will have no context whatsoever, absolutely.
1: I'm the founder of The Wave Podcasting. Our mission as a company is to help women start and grow podcasts. What originally started as a real estate company trying to create podcasting space for women has since become a digital online educational hub for women looking to start and grow podcasts. And we just launched this week. Literally, it's Thursday, On Monday, we launched a brand new service called Swell. It is podcast editing for women by women, meaning we serve female podcasters and we only hire female audio engineers. I could not be more excited about it.
0: One, in the podcasting world, I mean, just like in so many other industries, we always talk about how there's not a lot of women in podcasting. So that's one. And to see that it's so specific honed in on our ecosystem. And you guys, her technology behind it, like the experience as a customer to get your podcast edited is so seamless. Like you literally built the perfect solution to have your podcast edited in a high quality way at an affordable rate and for women by women. I mean, it's so clear.
1: Yeah. I was able to hone in on the things that I think are important in an editing service. I won't pretend like we're the first people to. No, totally. Or even productize it in a way that makes it feel digital and really. Yeah. Ridiculous. But after being in this industry for a minute, last time I spoke to you, I was just reeling from, I mean, I think we must have chatted a month into quarantine. Yeah. I was reeling from the fact that, that I wasn't going to be able to support women the way I wanted to, which was through physical space. And after talking and supporting women all throughout the year, learning from them, speaking to them, I've realized a couple things that are barriers for female podcasters specifically. One is cost is a barrier for marginalized demographics, women included. So I knew that if we wanted to offer something that's accessible, a product that is Mm. uh, inclusive, accessible to many people, it had to be affordable, period. The thing was that it couldn't be overwhelming from a tech standpoint. Mm. The technology of podcasting, both the equipment and the software, I hear it. Time and time again, it's intimidating. People get into podcasting not to deal with tech. They get into podcasting to share their expertise. And then we force them to kind of learn about <laughs> equipment and plugging things in. This audience listening to this podcast are like, that's the fun part. We love the tech part. I totally get that. I myself am a, a tech lover. That isn't true for everyone. So yeah. um, it becomes a barrier. And I don't think
0: everybody loves the tech part. We love being visionaries. (laughs) We don't, we don't always
1: love the tech part. Yeah. No, you don't. But some people feel more comfortable in that, in that space. Mm -hmm. And so I just knew that it had to be simple. It had to be easy to use, feel really, even though it's a service, it had to feel producty like any of our favorite little things that we buy online now, Mm -hmm. how consumable services are. And Costs could not be a barrier. I think the other thing is that what I've learned being in this industry is only 5% of individuals working in audio are women. I was talking to you about this recently. That figure, even though I know that so many of these industries are dominated by men, I thought 5% was pretty crazy low. It can't help but think how that affects the way that we interpret audio? What is considered to be good audio? Is that not said by the fact that the lack of diversity in the industry? Mm -hmm. We hear things on on the radio. When we hear things on our favorite podcasts, the most popular podcasts that are majority produced by men, how does that impact our standard of what we think good, good audio is? I couldn't get that out of my head. And I know a lot of the women that I work with in the wave community, They're intimidated by, there's imposter syndrome
0: and
1: they barely want that kind of bias being applied to their voices and to what they're saying. I wanted to create a safe, comfortable environment where women could feel that, you know, there weren't biases being applied to their podcast that they may or may not know about.
0: I want to get into the journey behind it. And there's so many more questions that I could ask about the product itself but I think the best way to do that and to keep it about your journey is for everybody to contact you that has questions about the features and time and costs and all these things so where can they connect with you if they're interested in having their podcast edited in a very easy 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 affordable high quality way it's all on swellpodcasting.com
1: that's where we we're very we have transparent pricing we don't hide it you don't need to get a consult to access it It's got the pricing, the features, and if you want a demo, there's a one-click button to set up time with me. Personally, I would love to show you the product. Swellpodcasting.com is where you want to go.
0: I'm curious, Swell, what is the story behind the name? Well, it has double meaning. And Wave. Okay, wait, what's the difference between Wave and Swell? The
1: Wave is our parent company, and what I don't want to confuse is that The mission of the wave is to support women, primarily through educational resources. We wanna be a platform. We have a digital community, a Slack community where people congregate. I never want the product, the thing that we sell to be the same as the company. The company is more than that. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than editing services. It is all about helping women tell their stories. And I didn't wanna conflate those two things. It's kind of the way that Apple is a company Apple has the iPhone, Apple has the iMac, and uh, the company is much bigger than the products they sell. LOL, I'm not going to compare myself to Apple. I'm no Apple. But I wanted the mission to stay intact and never be tainted by the fact that we like sell product. Swell has double meaning, right? I mean, the wave was such an easy decision for me because of its representation of sound, sound waves, but also the boldness. I always knew the brand would be for women. I think there's something interesting about water and having it be ever-changing and evolving. I mean, I could just go on and on about the symbolism of water and and what we're trying to do. Swell was an easy decision because it is an, uh, related to water and yet is in itself different than a wave. It's a burst, right? A oncoming of water, all rising all at once. And when you begin to outsource your podcasting, you know, when you hire someone, the real objective is to to help yourself grow. You're handing off tasks so that you can go promote your show, or it's a really an evolution as a podcaster to be able to bring on more team members. Also, swell means like great. (laughs) so our little tagline is that's swell and it's like on our website like spinning in a little in a little dial honestly sometimes when it works it works and I'm telling you this came to me I couldn't get it out of my head I spent only minutes figuring it out and it is stuck and that's when I kind of know it's right it was just like a, a gut instinct thing
0: so I have so many questions one okay so you're based in LA where in LA are you based I am very
1: central, South Hollywood almost, by the Grove for the folks in LA.
0: And your business pre-pandemic, your story is so crazy. I'd like to kind of revisit your story that we talked about in the other interview and then talk about kind of like how you started to piecemeal the process of swell, what it has now become. So pre-pandemic, right in March, Right when the pandemic was starting, before it actually started, in Hollywood, the heart of Hollywood entertainment, podcasting is on fuego. There's studios popping up. You build a female-first, female-centric, amazing studio for people to share their stories, built for women, like all the aesthetics are for women. You invested your heart, soul, passion, talent into it right in the heart of Los Angeles. And then what happened? And then... I learned
1: that we couldn't congregate. We couldn't open. We held one party, like a kind of like a launch party. We had female podcasters come over. And even in that first meeting, I remember the women were coming in and saying, isn't this like... Talk of this, you know, COVID 19, isn't this a crazy thing? And I had out like a little tiny bottle of hand sanitizer and I was like, you know, only if you want to. And little did I know that we would be here a year later having just starting to distribute a vaccine. And, you know, I was so optimistic, like you said. I mean, I put not to put too fine a point on it, I put all my eggs in in this studio basket. because I had seen success with it in uh, when I was living in New York, you know the best company ideas, the best ideas I think grow organically out of the needs that you just see and the problems that you're solving in your life. you're not necessarily going out and saying, what business can I go build today? Sometimes the best ones just pop up, Organically, and you're like, "Hey,, uh, is there something here?" and that's what happened with me i I built a home studio for myself, but my background's in interior design, and I began in New York to have people request to come into my studio, record because they couldn't find good studio space. They were renting hotel rooms and spending all of this money to record podcasts, and I was like, "Of course." While in the process, I'm meeting the most interesting women and people who are just like, you know, spending time in my space and getting to rub shoulders with people who are incredible. And I figured that that model could work in L.A. And I think it would have. I think there were indications that it could have, except I couldn't host more than, you know, whatever the four people in a, in a room at a time. And I just really quickly had to say, how do I still serve the mission of supporting female podcasters, knowing that doing that through space isn't an option anymore? And what do all, I guess, modern entrepreneurs do? They turn to the internet and say, well, I think I can serve the most people if I go digital and see how I can support them that way. And that's exactly what I did.
0: Just out of curiosity, because as things start to like get a little bit more open in LA, not there's still heaviness, but if you could, I have no idea what you're going to say. If you could go back and have a studio based business where people come in and record, would you, or now that you know what you know, and you've learned what you learned and you have this digital business that we're about to get into that is just so epic Like, you're like, no, that's just not where my heart is anymore.
1: It's a really hard question. I've changed so much in this year, not just my thinking about it, but like, I've changed. I came into it believing that my best skills were this like interior design background that I had, believing in space, working in real estate, working in real estate tech. And now I think the pandemic has exposed issues with the real estate industry that were are going to break anyway. You and I met because we were both members of a co-working space, right? Which I think, is wild, by the way. I know. It's hard to re- even remember you're that. You're like
0: the biggest ROI I got out of that thing. <laughs> and it was so random. They're like, you're both women. You're both into podcasting. Here you go. Why don't you chat? And we were like, uh, and it was
1: just a beautiful mix. But I think that people in real estate have exploited people for a long time. They've made a lot of money by figuring out how to get as many people through a space as possible, sharing seats. And and the trend of co-working, you know, oh, I only have to provide 20 seats, but I can sell it to 60 people because they're going to all come at different times of the day. And they're never – it's like the gym membership model, right? Like some people aren't going to show up so I can oversell this space. It's not a I don't want to say ethical business practice, but it certainly isn't human-centric. And unfortunately, when, you, when you're when you in that industry, it's hard not to see people for their rent capacity, you know? And I don't want to believe that I ever thought of people that way. But it was very easy for me to say, wow, how easy to build a business around a space, around a thing I already have, around a space I might have anyway, because I'm a podcaster, I think it's the wrong mentality, and I think we'll see real estate change a lot as a result. I've also been able to reach so many more people, and what you have to realize is that I've lived in New York, I've lived in Los Angeles, but there are so many people who don't want to or can't live in big cities and still have important, valuable things to say. Did they not deserve good resources to produce podcasts? No. And being able to create a digital business has allowed me to get in touch with these people, empathize with them, and make sure that they do have the resources they need. So if I could go back, I don't know that I would change what's happened. Not that I could and not that I think you should live with regret, but I'd like the outcome. I'm proud of it.
0: And honestly, you could do both. Like they complement one another. So if you wanted to revisit it one day when things were a little bit safer. With COVID, you could totally revisit having a studio and then people utilizing Swell to make sure their episodes get edited with ease. So I see in Los Angeles that a lot of TikTokers are starting to get into the podcasting space. Totally. And there's so many women in TikTok that I wonder if if you became that studio for women to feel safe, like when they're doing their interviews. I think there's still a lot of opportunity there, but it's just about your comfort level with COVID. Like for me personally. You can see that, I mean, you guys can't see because you're listening, but Lauren can see like I'm in my office at home. Like I don't feel comfortable. I have so many studios around Los Angeles that have asked me to do the podcast there. And I'm just, I don't feel comfortable. Like I'm just like, "Mm, I just, I don't understand this thing going around and I'm cool. I just need to like tap out for a while. I don't know if it's like, there's just so much verbiage about what's going on in our world. I'm just going to tap out for a while. So everybody's comfort levels at a different place. So to have a real estate-based business that's an in-person-based business right now is so dicey. It's dicey.
1: And more than anything, it's unpredictable. I will say the number of inquiries I've gotten about my studio space has double, triple, quadrupled in the last month. People are clearly starting to feel more comfortable coming out into the space. But at the same time, it's interesting, the space of podcasting has changed so much so that like, if you have a podcasting space, you can no longer only offer audio, you have to offer video. And that wasn't something I anticipated three years ago when I was in New York. So I agree with you, it's just too unpredictable. And It's not something I could hang my hat on confidently as a business person. I would feel most comfortable if I had diverse offerings, which I now have.
0: Not to like keep going on and on about this thing, but remember at the beginning of the pandemic, that basketball player that didn't take it seriously, or some athletic player didn't take it seriously. So they like coughed in the mic as a joke. the next athlete at the press conference actually got COVID from the mic as a podcaster and you owning a studio that's the kind of legality stuff. And like, you'd have to be swapping out the mic foam every single time. Like, that's the kind of stuff you have to think about.
1: Absolutely. When we were trying to figure out how intense it was, and LA started opening up a little bit more like four months ago, and then we shut back down. I got a couple people through the studio, and we were adopting a policy where it was by time with us, you also buy your own mic head and we'll store it for you. But there's no reusing of mic heads. We had to adopt a whole new cleansing policy. We have all this special equipment, disinfecting material, and it made people feel better. But then, you know, we thought that was going to be the solution. LA shut down again. So I wasn't going to push it. I kind of said this earlier, which is like, The things that have been the easiest for me to implement, that just flow, that just happen, have been the most successful for me. I launched Swell in five weeks. I don't even know if I should say that out loud.
0: I'm so excited. Let's get into it. I'm really curious because I'm obsessed with processes because I think processes make you a phenomenal leader and a better teammate and everything is just better if you have great processes. And what I really admire about Swell is your processes. So let's get into it. How did you come up with the idea? Like what were the first things you started thinking about? How did you find how you were gonna piecemeal together the process of it? What kind of research did you do? I'm super curious.
1: I am a very process-oriented person as well. And I worked at a real estate tech startup, which I mentioned earlier, that I feel like taught me what good both product development and company development looks like. In that you, a couple concepts that I took with me were the concept of MVP. Start with the minimum viable product, the thing that you can put out the quickest. Don't perfect before doing it. And getting it out to get the information that you need to know if it'll be successful. So after working with podcasters for a year, the big thing that was coming out, I realized, is that it always seems like starting a podcast is the hardest part, but it really isn't. It's the growing of the podcast and the longevity and sticking with it. And because it's such a production-heavy medium, I was getting drowned with requests and questions about how to grow my podcast, how to take it to the next level, how to monetize it. I'm six months in. What now? The what now question, like what's next kept coming up. And I was like, you know, there just aren't enough resources out there. There are a number of ways to grow your podcast. But one important aspect that I don't think a lot of indie or like smaller podcasters realize is they need to be spending the majority of their time promoting their show in a really active way, right? Being on other podcast shows, going to new communities and promoting their show. And yet the majority of podcasters spend the majority of their time producing their show. So passing off, if you only have so many hours in a week to work on podcasting, removing the tasks from your own plate that are time intensive and tedious is actually a growth strategy. And so here I am recommending to podcasters every week, I'm like, you need more time, not necessarily in the week, but you need to reallocate your time. You can't be the voice in the face and the person spreading the message about your podcast and stuck behind a computer editing, the math isn't going to work out in terms of how much you need to be out there. So here I am a broken record, right? Telling people this again and again. And they're saying, well, what service should I use? Where should I go? So I inevitably end up doing all of this research about Podcast editing to see what's out there. You can hire an individual, but you run the risk of really needing to be able to vet them properly and know enough about audio editing to determine if they're a good editor. And then you have all these other services that range from being quite expensive and working primarily with enterprise companies down to ones that clearly offer inexpensive services, quick turnarounds. What they don't say is the reason they can offer that is because they use talent in developing countries. So even though that's not clearly stated, that is what's happening in the back end. I couldn't confidently recommend to my podcasters who exactly to go with. You know, I knew some folks. And so I said to myself, how do we solve this problem? And people were actually asking me, like, are you also a production house? Can you do this work for me? I was like, me, Lauren Poppish? No, I cannot get behind the computer more than I already am. But how can I how can I solve this need? And there it is, right? You see a problem, you want to address it with your own solution. So I had, in my previous role in working in tech, worked a lot with professionals in developing countries and hiring outsourced talent. It's just one of my strengths. The ability to get skilled professionals all over the world, you speak with tech professionals all over the world, There is no limit to the number of people who who are skilled. And yet, if cost is a barrier for women, which I believe it is, then it's a great way to globalization as a concept enables you to do that. And I'm a proponent of it. I don't think there's any shame in that game. I do, however, think that you should be transparent about the way that you run your company and you should be good and never exploit people based on where they live and where they have to live or choose to live. So... I was like, I know that I can get the talent to come together. What I don't necessarily know is how to make it feel productized, how to create a portal, an interface where the client can interact with the editor in a way that is just seamless. I started getting some video editing work done because I started a YouTube channel, as one does when you're 31 years old, like, Who am I? I uh, started this YouTube channel and started needing a lot of video editing work. And that's the platform they were using. And I went to the founder and I said, hey, uh, you're a trans, he's a general Zer, of course. And he's like, yeah, I'll share everything with you. Now, I love that culture of transparency, right? Because I believe in it too. He's like, I didn't invent this application. I just use it. I just found it. And so after vetting it, I realized it would be the right platform for me too.
0: So you built Swell in five weeks. You can seem to have the idea, okay, here's a block that I have. How do we know that your editors are good? It's a great question. We
1: vet our editors using a standard audio test that we kind of developed. I went out and one of the hardest things that are difficult for me is asking for help. But in this process, I knew I wasn't an audio expert necessarily the way that an audio editor is a good one is. And so I went to my friend who is an audio editor who has helped me edit my podcast in the past. He's not a female, but he's a great guy. And I said, hey, how do I how do I make sure these audio editors are good? How do we how do we give them a good test? And he said, take a piece of complicated audio. It doesn't have to be full audio length give it to them and see how they edit it, give them feedback, go back and forth, ask about the software tools they use. So we came up with kind of a a good vetting process, I think, and submitted it, they submit it back. If it's on par with the quality that we expect, tackling the things the way we expect them to be tackled, then they have the opportunity to work with us. And it's incredible because we've got women from all over the world. And my whole thing is like, I want the podcasters to know their editors and have a relationship with them and not have the editor be behind this curtain kind of like I'm just a service person. She's a human. She has a personality and interests. And so we do a full take a profile of our editors. We give them a big survey. And then we put together a really fun profile like this is Carolina. She lives in Columbia. She's a Aries, she loves to hike. This is her favorite book. This is her favorite thing. And when you submit your podcast episode, we try and pair based on shared interests and podcast topics and things. You know, you get an email that introduces you really intimately to your podcaster. So not only are they vetted, but we really try and showcase them as humans and for the skills that they've developed and and bring to the table.
0: And where can people connect with you? How can they find out more?
1: Absolutely. I am always in the DMs on Instagram. At The Wave Podcasting is a great place to find me. Swellpodcasting.com is where to find information about Swell. Yeah, I'm in those two places.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with the Los Angeles tech community. Remember to go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group at com slash community. That's com slash community. Say hello on social at we are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, here, you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.
1: Hey, this is Lauren Popish, founder of The Wave Podcasting and Swell. We help women start and grow podcasts. I'm based in South Hollywood, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech.
0: The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Anna Feebe. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a WeRTech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.